Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is... Caitlin Hotslin Bueller. She is the owner and founder of Conscious Core Pilates. How are you doing today, Caitlin? Hello, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey and be on the podcast, be a guest here. I appreciate you taking the time and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I, I love your vision and so I'm just so excited to be a part of it. Thank you. Well, let's jump right in then. So, Caitlin, you're a nationally certified Pilates teacher, and as mentioned, you're the owner of Conscious Core Pilates. How long ago did you start Conscious Core Pilates? So I actually started a home studio in Uh 2018, Okay. and I expanded that to a small brick and mortar in my town in August of 2019. Wow, that was pretty quick growth. (laughs) Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So how long ago did you actually get into Pilates? Well, I began my own personal practice in Pilates in 2010. And it was just, you know, something that I had started doing as a form of exercise and just really fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. And soon after that, I was kind of thinking, oh, I would love to do this. But I always just didn't pursue it and finally made the leap to actually get certified and teach it in 2018. What was the inspiration behind that or, or what started you really aside from the fact of wanting to exercise, but what really started you into the world of Pilates? I read that it was, some of it was as a result of some personal health struggles. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I started having these kind of mysterious, rare headaches in 2010. And I went to all these doctors and they were like, we don't know what's wrong with you. They just wanted to, you know, give me all different types of medications. And I thought maybe, maybe I'm not exercising, you know, maybe it's like I need stress reduction or, or something like that. And uh, my sister-in-law lives in the same town as me. And she's uh-huh. like, hey, let's try Pilates. <laughs> and so we started going to Pilates together. And within two weeks, the headaches went away wow. and never came back. And I just became this firm believer in the power of movement and uh-huh. moving your body to help heal. That's incredible. Just within two weeks they're gone no more headaches and they've not returned since they have not returned since no that's amazing other health struggles in in the in between but um not the headaches and pilates was always my constant 
through all the health challenges that I've had over the years. Really? been really the only thing that has kept me feeling strong and focused, which is why I turned it into my career. Amazing. And you attribute all that to movement and, and exercise. For me, yes. I really, I mean, I see it in my own clients too, but the power of movement, the power of, you know, one of the things that I truly love about Pilates is I tried to do yoga and yoga, everybody said, oh, you're stressed. You need to do yoga. So I tried to do yoga and it, it would give me panic attacks because I couldn't quiet my mind enough to actually like focus on the yoga and Pilates. I had to focus on my body. So that became my meditation. That became my moment of calm, my moment of introspection and, and almost like my prayer was that focus on my body, how it moved, where it was moving from. And I think that was really a huge component of the change I felt from Pilates was that that was the stress release. It helped me just, you know, come into my own body, come into the moment, and then just the strengthening of all of the muscles, big and small, kind of just changed the way I moved, the way I was able to do life and carry myself and all of those things. I just was like, this is my thing. I love Pilates and I want other people to do it too. So amazing. So how do you think these experiences and struggles then have helped shape the Caitlin you are today? Oh, that's such a great question. I mean, I think back to, you know, all of the challenges that I've had over the years. And I think that, you know, first and foremost, the value of our health, I I think we take it for granted when we have it and you don't realize how important, you know, caring for yourself and how important just health in general is until you don't have it. Yeah. And so I think that that has been one of the biggest things that's shaped me is just to be, you know, more conscientious about how I, how I personally give to my body and how I help others think about giving to their bodies. Even my children, you know, I have conversations with them about, you know, taking care of themselves and, and, you know, giving themselves time and energy and eating good food. You can cheat sometimes and that's okay, but, you know, nourishing, nourishing your body, nourishing your soul, nourishing your mind, because it's just so important and you don't realize that until you don't have it. Yeah, for sure. A friend of mine uses the saying, treat your body like a temple, not a trash can. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there I there are my fair share of days where, you know, it's a trash can, and, <laughs> you know, a liquor closet, you know, sometimes it just it happens. But overall, finding that balance where it's not where it's not just constantly beating it up. And then also thinking about, like you said, treat it like a temple. That's very holistic. It's not just, it's not just the food you put in your body. It's the mindset that you have. It's the way you move. It's the relationships. It's all of those things that go into, you know, caring for your health in all aspects. For sure. 100% agree with you. Just to shift gears a little bit here. How has the current world climate affected your business and what you've done and what have you done to pivot and roll 
with the punches, so to speak? Well, it's been a bit of a challenge, yeah. for sure. To um, say the least, I'm sure. Yeah, to say the least. As I mentioned, I opened my brick and mortar studio in August of 2019. And it was growing and really doing well. And then shut down on March 13th of 2020. And... It took me a moment. I will not lie. I, I took about two or three weeks of kind of depression and bumbling around of like, wait, what just happened? Huh? <laughs> and then started to say, okay, well, this isn't going anywhere. What do we do next? And I did try to move some of my clients over to, you know, virtual one-on-ones and the Zoom calls and do the virtual classes which it worked, but a lot of my clients didn't move over with me because they had ailments that they didn't feel comfortable enough kind of doing the moves without me there supervising. And also, you know, so many other people were going through challenges as well. And then also all of a sudden I became a school teacher. I have two, you know, young kids, a a third grader and a, a kindergartner. And all of a sudden I had to be their teacher. And they were like trying to burn the house down. So (laughs) I had to kind of turn my focus to my family and just pause a little bit on, you know, trying to hustle for the business. And that actually taught me a lot and has really led me to where I am now, where I feel like it helped me prioritize to say, okay, I can give myself to my business, but I also need to give myself to my family. So I need to prioritize them a little bit more. Right. It helped me think about the value of my time more. And so the way that I have now coming out of it, adjusted my schedule so that I have time to work with clients, also work on my business and spend time with my family and my kids. And then on top of that, I realized that I, despite always having this passion and kind of this focus for, you know, working with pre and postnatal women, Uh I still was kind of trying to be all things to all people. And given my limited resources and time and my passion I decided, hey, I really want to go all in and focus on this area that I I truly love. And so it helped me really just, you know, focus and build relationships in this area that actually feeds my soul. So I think those are kind of like uber things that happened in the past year. And then, of course, like the logistics of like thinking about an online program instead of, you know, in-person sessions or, you know, building free content on social media so that, you know, people could just move their bodies when everything was shut down, you know, just so much, so much has changed. I actually, I actually, with all the challenges of the last year, I I don't know, I almost wouldn't take it back because I feel like it pushed me forward into an area that I don't think I ever would have gone if I didn't have to. Yeah, there's, there's been, it sounds like there's been quite a bit of good and silver lining there for you too, because it's also, as you mentioned, 
enabled you to narrow down and focus your business more and Mm -hmm. think outside the box and and come up with these ideas and and ways to continue moving on with the business. So as hard as it's been for business owners, I think there's also been quite a bit of good and silver lining in a lot of this horrible situation. And that's how we have to look at it instead of dwelling on the negative. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can't take it back, right? So the only option now is to say, well, how do we move forward? Yeah. And, yeah. and you can't move forward if you have, you know, if you're looking behind you. That's so right. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to assume that your involvement in the health and wellness industry and that you're a big, huge advocate of self-love and body positivity and self-worth and confidence and women's empowerment and all of that stuff, right? Mm, can you, can you speak a bit about what those things mean to you on a personal level? I think for me on a personal level, I have struggled so much in my past with body dysmorphia. I was an anorexic for years. Having that history as a part of me, I I can't say it's behind me because it's still a part of me and being in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. It's it's certainly a challenge and I think what I have personally learned through all of this is that it's better to feel strong yeah. and stand tall and confidently in your body where it is now versus, you know, the the size. I mean, I think when I graduated high school, I was like, I don't know, emaciated 79 pounds or something. And I look back and go, oh my gosh, like I look sick. (laughs) Why did nobody tell me this? But at the time I couldn't have gotten any smaller. And so I have learned like, it's okay for your body to take up space because you know what? You are meant to be here. You do not have to shrink yourself. And Like I am the strongest I've ever been in my entire life. And my body's changed. Certainly I've had two children, but I am the most confident that I have ever been in my entire life because I can do life. Like my body does what it needs to do for me. And then going back to that earlier question about just health in general, I was so sick a couple years ago. I had really bad digestive ailments. I had ovarian cancer. I was very, very sick. And at one point, again, not because I was an anorexic, not because I didn't want to eat, but because I literally, the more food I ate, the more my body ate itself, got down again to like 82 pounds. And that was kind of one of the tipping points for me to, Uh to move into this career and and change my career really into, into health and wellness, into the Pilates area. And it reminded me that you have to give to yourself and to give to yourself, you have to love yourself for sure. You have to think that you're worth it and you are worth it, but it's a, it's a mindset. It's, it's a complete mindset shift. And when you embrace those aspects of, you know, loving yourself and your body and all you represent today and thinking about your body as what it can do versus how it looks mm-hmm. is is so empowering because all of a sudden you're like, well, I can take on the world. I'm here and I, I am here to do things. 
And not only can I, I not only do I want to do things, but I can because my body works for me. That's it. That mindset piece is such a massive piece of the puzzle. And so many people get stuck mm-hmm. in that negative mindset and that they don't love themselves and they don't believe in themselves and they don't, it's a horrible, horrible place to be. Yeah. Well, and it, I mean, it's I'm hard working, to, it's hard to shift though. It is hard to shift. And I mean, I'm working with new moms and society for the most part, I mean, it's, it's shifting, but society for the most part tells them that, oh, you had a baby. You have to look like you didn't have a baby. Uh-huh. Like you, oh, cool. Bye. Get, get your body back. Yeah. And I'm constantly reminding women, holy hell. You, you are a goddess. Like you are amazing. Your body, your body grew a human. Yes. And like birthed that human, like brought life into this world through your body. Like, wow, you are amazing. And like value that Uh you are so valuable for what you just did and what you continue to do whether that that is like exactly own that shit you are amazing and like the things that moms do even for moms who didn't birth children Uh like like if you are an adoptive mom or whatever the things that moms do and are expected to do for sure is amazing absolutely mind-blowing and I think that helping them remember Uh that you are truly phenomenal in so many ways like like you said own that shit yeah quiet those voices society needs to shut the hell up (laughs) and yeah are you strong do you feel strong can you pick up your child without your back hurting yeah can you get on the ground and play with them and then get up without like feeling your hips creak or whatever. Uh, well, that's amazing. For sure. It is so. now keeping with that same theme, we're talking about society. And of course we're mm-hmm. talking about the media. It seems, I don't know about to me, but I want to ask you this in the media, self-love women's empowerment, body positivity, all of these things seem to be buzzwords. Mm-hmm. Would you, do you think, would you agree with that? I think so. I think that, you know, when you look at like hashtags, for example, (laughs) they're just like exploding. I I think that they're, I think that they're buzzwords that represent something more important than just the buzzword. Do you, do you think though that it it can get taken out of context or blown out of context and almost to a point where the words are just words now, they don't hold the true meaning of what they're meant to say because they get used so frequently and because they become buzzwords, you think it's, it's turning it yeah. into like a, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. It? It's like, it's almost like it's just something cool to say mm-hmm. because it's the in thing. Yeah. Well, we're always going to have that in the media. I mean, uh, that is the reality of just the media, right? It's right. like, what's going to get people's attention today? What yeah. are, you know, what's the hot topic? Yeah. I think that. It's, it's a little twofold. So I do believe that maybe they, when things like that are used in that way, like a buzzword, they do lose their power. Right. But at the same time, I do think that they bring attention to really important topics. Okay. 
So it's almost like, okay, yes, the buzzword, it, like, like, please don't dilute it. But yeah. also, yes, it's a conversation that needs to be had. I think that, so two things. Uh-huh. I think that the experts in that, f- in the field need to take ownership of helping to break down those buzzwords and yeah. into more digestible, understandable, tangible things. Uh-huh. So like I said, for me, it's not about just self-love. It's about, are you strong? How yeah. do you feel? How does your, how does your body work for you? Uh-huh. So for me, it's, it is self-love. Self-love is, is giving yourself time and energy to invest in your health, invest in your strength, invest in your power. And so that's like, that's not me jumping on the self-love bandwagon. That's me saying, you're worth it. Like, please, please. Yes. I'm so glad that they, that the media has brought attention to this. Great. It's something that I want you to think about. Now let me or somebody else help you take that a step further so that it's actually you know actionable and tangible yeah and it's not just another hashtag yeah let, let's start a conversation around it and then exactly. put those words into action exactly yes so speaking of empowerment what does that word mean to you oh my goodness it means a lot to me because i have been both not empowered and empowered and for me personally I think empowerment is, it's personal. Empowerment is being able to trust yourself and then take action on that, whether it's ideas, dreams, your intuition, your, your worth, you you know, those, all of those things really thinking about being worth it. Empowerment is, is all of a sudden saying I'm worth it. And I know what I want and I know where I want to go, or I know what, my family needs, or I know what my body needs, and you have the power to go with it and just take action without worrying about, you know, what anybody else has yeah. to think or say. I love it. Now, you had briefly mentioned, and I've read that you decided to focus or specialize your business on prenatal and postnatal Pilates. Why have you decided to focus your business on? these particular types of clients? And secondly, how did you determine there was a need for this type of focus in the industry? Well, a couple things. So I personally did Pilates before getting pregnant through two pregnancies and after two very different deliveries. And like I said before, you know, Pilates was always my constant. It was the thing that you know, kept me strong during pregnancy, after pregnancy, you know, help me, help me get my body back, but not in the way of like, help me get my body back and like, you know, trim down. I mean, I'm already, I'm already just a small person. Like that's just my body type is smaller, but my second son was a C-section and my first son was a natural delivery. My first son, I went back to Pilates three weeks later. My second one, I had to wait eight weeks And that was fine. I listened to my body. It wasn't, I didn't feel like itching, rip roaring, ready to go to get back (laughs) because I knew like I'd gone through, you know, a major surgery. And so I had that personal experience from it of just, you know, it helped my back pain. It helped my sciatica. I slept better. I felt 
I wanted to eat healthy food, you know, all of those sorts of things from that personal experience. So right when I started my Pilates training, I knew that that was an area that I wanted to serve, whether it was, you know, on the side or like my primary focus, I always knew that, you know, I wanted to be able to help, you know, pregnant and postpartum women, just from my own personal experience of how powerful it was. The thing that really got me focused and say like, nope, this is, this is the thing is my very first client who I was doing my, my, I was doing my training and she was another mom at um, my kid's gymnastics class. And she was like, Ooh, I love Pilates. I'll, I'll be your first client. And so I was just trying to get hours at this point. Yeah. And the night before our very first session, I texted her and I said, Hey, you know, do you have any injuries that I should be aware of? And, and she said, Oh yeah, I have a, a diastasis recti. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And so like mad dash to like do this insane amount of research. Yeah. First of all, I have had two babies. I should know like what a diastasis recti is no clue. Uh And so I'm doing this mad dash to do research on like what it is and what it means and all this stuff. And like the information was so limited, but also at the same time, I was like, why do I not know about this? Why do more women not know about this? And then I found one woman who it was a Pilates instructor and she specialized working with postnatal women and particularly with diastasis recti. And so for the next day's session, I like did what I could. And then I started this program with this woman and I just started to go down the rabbit hole where I was like, mind blown that this is not something that every single woman who intends to have a baby or has had a baby is coached on and educated on and assisted through it's just like so many women over and over and over again you hear oh they don't even check for it first of all and when they discover it because the woman goes in and says oh I have really bad back pain and I still look pregnant you know four years later and the doctor's like oh yeah I guess that's a diastasis recti the only option you have is to have a tummy tuck well but that's not functional First of all, like just sewing up like major surgery to sew up your abs is sometimes necessary for some people. Absolutely. And I understand that. But also it's not retraining the body. It's not educating anybody on how it happened in the first place. It's not going to help with the back pain. It's just another way for women to be written off. It's a bandaid over a bullet hole. Exactly. And And just to just to shush, shush them away and shush them up. Here you go. This is the solution. This is all we can do for you. Or assume that the only motivation that they have is a cosmetic one. Yeah. Yeah. And then this, then, you know, more and more, I would hear women say, well, I had a baby, so it's normal that I, you know, pee my pants or I would see them go to, you know, want to get back into exercise right away, which is what I did. I mean, I went back to Pilates three weeks after I had a baby, which is fine for me because I had been doing Pilates for, you know, seven years at that point, but even still, it probably wasn't great. And luckily my instructor was trained on working with postnatal women. So we moved slow, Uh but so many others are like, I got to get my body back. I'm going to start this boot camp. 
And what happens is they do more harm than good. They're not educated. They're not, um, they don't have a partner in health and they're written off by their doctors or they're told that, Oh, well, you're a mom now sucks for you. Or society tells them that they have to look a certain way. And all of those things made me say, I just, I, I called bullshit. I call bullshit and I vowed to be part of the solution. And that is why I have, you know, built my business around this area because there's such a huge gap. There's such a huge gap. And I feel like moms are so underserved and we, they, we (laughs) need more resources. I wish I had it. I didn't know. I have a hernia. I have a diastasis recti. I have pelvic floor issues. You know, like all of these things because I didn't know. Nobody told me. That's crazy that women are just discarded in that way by the health system. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is insane, right? It is. It is because oh, yeah. these women give birth. I mean, you yeah. women give like that in itself is a fucking miracle. Yeah. And uh, it, that's mind blowing to me. Yeah. Absolutely mind blowing. There's this like meme or I guess it's not really a meme, just a graphic that I've shared before where it's like, you know, the, the number of doctor's visits you get when you're pregnant and it's like, you know, one a month. And then at the end, every other week, and then like the number of doctor's visits that the new baby gets. And it's like every two weeks and then goes to like every month, the number of doctor visits that a new mom get one. And that's at the six to eight week mark. Yeah. And they basically poke around on your stomach. Yeah. They go, yep, all right, looks good. <laughs> you're done. You're, See you later. Yeah, no, you're done. See you later. Uh, you like, uh, great, awesome. You, you can you can resume all normal activity. Wait, oh, what? Shit. No. And this is why women go and go. Well, I'm I'm six weeks postpartum. I'm going to go train for a five k when they've yeah. never run before in their life. Yeah, and then they wonder why they feel like they're insides are going to fall out of them. Yeah. And I'm not a pelvic floor PT, but I, I refer out to pelvic floor PTs. Uh-huh. And then I work in partnership with those pelvic floor PTs. And I'm, I'm educated on working with moms on how their core works and what exercises they can do to help rebuild it. And, you know, we're going to avoid for now, but we can get back to because we're going to work you up to that because our ultimate goal is for you to be strong. And that's important to me. So this is why I'm just so passionate about it. It's like, I can go on forever. (laughs) I think it's incredible the work you're doing because it's so freaking necessary. And no one else, I mean, I don't mean no one else, but the health system isn't helping to educate these women who are new mothers. And, and like you said, they're, they're jumping right into running 5k marathons and all of this, and then wondering what the fuck's happening to my body. It's very incredible, the work you're doing. And it's so necessary. I think more people need to get into educating new mothers on all of this stuff. I agree. And that's where it's like, I'm, I am dedicated to being part of that solution. You know, even as small as I am, if I can help, you know, a handful of new moms feel better and do life easier, then that's a win for me. I mean, obviously I want more, but I, you know, 
like it's just it's baby steps because it's it's hard it's hard to yeah. break a narrative that's been so ingrained through generations yeah. and through a medical community that exactly um, that's the problem right there is the medical community not educating so kudos to you for doing the work you're doing i think it's incredibly inspiring and amazing Thank you. Thank you. I love it so much. It fills my soul. (laughs) I'm sure it does. So what were you doing for a living before making the jump into entrepreneurship then? Um, So I had a 15 plus year career in corporate marketing and communications. I have a master's degree in journalism Uh and I was climbing the corporate ladder. I (laughs) was a high achiever in my business uh-huh. well not my business in your role my yeah. company, the company. Yeah. Yeah. I was taking on insane projects very high profile projects even as you know even being young like uh-huh. I was taking you know my my late 20s I was taking on these huge projects working with the CEO and the the chief marketing officer and doing full rebrands and and I liked it I'm good at it but it it kind of it broke me and just you know for example I took on the biggest project of my career 2 days before I collapsed in my office when they found that I had a grapefruit size ovarian tumor. Holy shit. And so I was rushed to the hospital and they did major abdominal surgery to Uh. remove it. And a week later, I got the call that it was cancer. They didn't know it was cancer at the time. A week later, I got the call that it was a cancer. Two days later, I went back to work on this, the biggest project of my career to that point, which was doing a full rebrand of a very large global organization. I mean, okay. was a very, very big organization, yeah. like 85,000 employees at the time. Holy. And I went back to work two days later and was working 80 plus hours a week. I had just had major abdominal yes, exactly. <laughs> I had a nine month old son that was nursing. My husband's in law enforcement, so he is gone at night. And I'm working this 80 hour a week job because I was transitioning my other project that I was working on and then taking on this like whole new project that had never been done before. Yeah. And which is flattering, right? My ego was very stroked on this one because they were like, oh, the only person who can do it is Caitlin. And it's like, oh, wow, okay. But at the same time, like really not great. And and at this point, I didn't even know if that like, if I still had cancer, if it had spread, what Mm -hmm. what treatment I was going to have to do. I had no idea at this point. Literally, I had found out, oh, by the way, that tumor was cancerous. And so I worked my ass off on this project and went back into the office after like four weeks um, because I had been working from home because I couldn't drive or walk. And my boss was like, you look like shit. And I'm like, oh, no, no, duh. (laughs) You think? think? (laughs) Yeah. And, And that was just the very first time. I mean, that was just the very start of 
all of the challenges that I had, because then after that, I had another surgery and found the cancer had not spread, which was amazing, but it was a whole nother abdominal surgery. And then after that is when I started to have the really bad digestive issues and was so, so sick and vertigo and nausea and all the doctors were like, well, sorry, it's not your head. You, there's nothing wrong with you. Oh, sorry, it's not your toe. There's nothing wrong with you. And so it was just this long journey of that. Well, I'm still trying to work, you know, 60 yeah. to eight hours a week. And so finally, it was in 2017 when I was like at the lowest point of this like digestive health hell. I had just had a miscarriage of our third, my hair was falling out. I weighed 82 pounds and I was working insane hours. I was working in events at the time and I was only supposed to travel once a year and I was traveling every six months and, or not six months, every six weeks. And I just said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And I quit. I quit like this amazing paying job that was sustaining our life and our family from a financial standpoint, but I was dying. Yeah. It was sucking your soul. It was, it was my soul. It was, it was every bit of me. I was, I was broken. I was, yeah. I, I mean, even my husband said he would come home from work and get really close to me and be like, is she still breathing? Yeah. Every day he'd walk in the house and go, I wonder if she's still breathing. And so it was just like no amount of money, no amount of like ego stroking, no amount of accolades was worth it anymore. And so I had to go. And, and then that was at the point where I said, you know what? I always wanted to be a Pilates instructor. I, you know, have put it off for years. I want to do this. I thought it was just going to be a little side gig. (laughs) I started doing it. And then I was like, oh my God, I love this too much. Uh And, you know, when you put that into this jump into entrepreneurship, I never would have described myself as an entrepreneur at any point in my life before that. And now every day I wake up and I go, well, if my husband says something, I go, well, that's the life of an entrepreneur. (laughs) I actually identify with that now because I feel so inspired to take action. We talked about empowerment. I am empowered to take action and do amazing things with my ideas. I love it. Because I I cut that cord of hell. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. That that's exactly what it was. It's fortunate that it took you that long and hitting rock bottom health wise and, and self care wise. But sometimes it just, sometimes the universe whispers and we don't listen yeah. until yeah. we get hit in the back of the head with the two by four. And it's like, Oh shit, I guess oh. I'll wake up and take notice here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you are universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Caitlin to date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? I think it was finding the courage to leave that corporate world, those handcuffs, I call them the golden handcuffs yeah. to, to break those chains. You know, I've, there's been so many other things that I've celebrated, but I think that that was the moment that I can look back and say, I am, I am so proud of that. Yeah. And it changed everything. 
What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I wouldn't have said this before, but I will say it now because I feel like I've come into my own a little bit more. I think my ability to be very vulnerable and also just, what is the word I'm looking for? Vulnerable, but also authentic. And I think the reason and the way that it's helped me become successful is because it's real and people can relate to that and they can relate to me. And I'm not trying to be anybody but who I am. Mm -hmm. And that is freeing. And it opens up so many doors when you are just like, well, this is me. Take it or leave it. That's right. That's amazing. I love it. Speaking of success, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? Oh my gosh, this is such a great question. I actually have the Japanese symbol for happiness and success tattooed on each of my feet. I got them when I was 16 years old. And what they meant to me then was so different because it was almost like happiness and success were tied together. Like you couldn't have one without the other or like, you know, it was just, it was very different then to me, success was kind of, I was such a go-getter and it was that financial success. It was being able to prove myself. I always felt like I was underestimated by the people around me because I'm tiny and I have a high pitch voice and I'm blonde and I'm kind of crude and, (laughs) you know, so I was always so underestimated. Yeah. And so for success for me then was proving myself. It wasn't like a personal thing. It was, it was completely tied to the way other people saw me. Mm -hmm. And I would say success today for me is being able to do what you love that fills your bucket in a way that also allows you to live your life. Beautiful. I love that definition. It's funny how things change over the years. And I mean, you can attribute a lot of it to, I guess, maturing and growing up and, you know, learning things and gaining wisdom throughout life. But it's just funny to look back on the way you think of things when you're younger, as opposed to now. Yeah. I think also like making mistakes. Yes. Like, failing. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you like do something wrong. Like I always say, I wouldn't take back anything in my life. I I don't regret anything that I've done or decisions I've made, even the bad ones, because they led me to here. They led me to the person I am today and I will continue to make bad decisions. I I just don't know them yet. Yeah. Um, Well, we're human, of course. Exactly. But you know, the way things have changed over the years is yes, that maturity. And it's also like making the mistakes and going like, Ooh, that was a bad idea. (laughs) And being okay okay with making the mistakes and which again, I think ties back into what we were speaking about earlier in terms of mindset being okay with that mistakes are are great that's how you learn and yeah as long as you pick yourself up dust yourself off and get back on the horse again and try it again and learn from your mistakes that's what it's all about that's what life's about yeah yeah exactly i couldn't agree more what makes you feel inspired or like your best self i feel inspired by learning and then sharing that information. It lights me up. Okay. I I love to 
just keep filling my brain so that I can fill other people's brains. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a good feeling to be able to share your knowledge and have impact on others and help people. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it all comes down to. And it's just constant improvement. Yeah. Like the more you learn, the more you can improve. And I'm just, I'm inspired by that. I even have that option. Yeah. Yeah. It blows my mind sometimes because I've, I've met people along the way through my journey that have knowledge or gain knowledge and they refuse to share it. (laughs) Yeah. What the hell is wrong? Why would you hold that so close to the vest? If you yeah. share your everybody benefits, like mm-hmm. why wouldn't you share? But I know with, well, I'm thinking of one person in particular in at one of my jobs I worked at, and it was all out of fear for job security. Because mm-hmm. he figured if he shares his knowledge with someone else in the company and they learn how to do what he does, mm-hmm. he's, he's expendable. Yeah. Which is a, an insane way to think. It is. But. I mean, again, that's because, all about- because yeah, maybe other people have the same information and the same knowledge, but not no one else is you. That's that's exactly it, and that speaks to the competition mindset, yeah, which exactly. is a whole other ball of wax. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm about the partnerships and uh, and working together to like make make things better. And yes. I, like, there, nobody else is me. Oh God, that's nobody. Right. Else. I don't think anybody else would necessarily want to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's why people who come to work with me choose me. Yeah. Say, you know what? Caitlin's not my cup of tea. And that's okay. Like, I don't need to be everything to everyone. And you're not going to be, the, not everybody's going to be your ideal client. So, no, that's, no. and again, back to the competition mindset, it's like there is more than enough work for everybody out there in whatever yeah. business you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Whatever business you're in. Yeah. It's just sad that people feel that need to hoard knowledge and don't want to share it for fear of whatever it is that's that's plaguing their minds. It's just it makes me laugh. It's why, you know, there's these gaps in information like yeah. in this, you know, in yeah. this world of healthcare or, yeah, you know, new sure. moms. It's why there's that gap in information because yeah. The information isn't shared. Absolutely. Caitlin, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? What was your life like after learning it? I think it goes back to what we were just talking about is, you know, I don't, I don't have to be loved by everyone. Like I'm not for everyone in business and in life. You know, some people don't want to be my friend and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think that my life before, like really getting that it was a constant sort of sense of hustle but hustle in the wrong way like I just wanted I wanted everybody to like me I didn't want to say the wrong thing I didn't want to come off the wrong way I you know wanted to make sure that I was wearing the right clothes and you know I just wanted everybody to like me and it was such a stressful world to be in yeah because I also was disappointed all the time because I was like, well, why don't they love me? Why don't, why, why don't they love me? (laughs) Why don't they want me? You weren't being authentic Caitlin either. No, no, not at all. Absolutely not. Because I was always trying to be that person that somebody might like. And also I, I kind of like described myself as like a chameleon that I could like change who I was in a situation 
with the people I was with, which I think in some situations is beneficial. Sure. But I mean, in corporate, I mean, my husband would hear me on conference calls and he'd be like, wow, that doesn't even sound like you. (laughs) And he's like, who was that Caitlin? And I'm like, that was corporate Caitlin. And now... Like, I think this is one of the things I love so much about just like having my own business and being my own thing is like, I, I cuss like a fucking sailor. (laughs) I love it. And it's okay. (laughs) And And if you don't like it too bad. If you don't like it too bad. And somebody was saying like, oh, brand partnerships, they might go to your Instagram and see that your content has cuss words. And that's like a no, no for a lot of brands. And I'm like, well, then that's not a brand that like would want to work with me because that is me. And like, that is me. And so I think my life now is it is more authentic. It is more freeing. And I'm less disappointed all the yeah. time because it's like the people who want to be around me are the people who really want to be there because yeah. they actually like me, yeah. whether that's in my business or my friendships or anything else. Yeah. That it is because they are like, that's Caitlin. Yeah. I like her. <laughs> and she's cool. Because and she swears that like doesn't define yeah. <laughs> But I mean, there are certain situations where, of course, you know, you're not going to walk into a room and start cussing like crazy because, no, because, but yeah. you, you, you have a filter, you know how to filter that, but yes. you're not going to also not swear in certain situations just because it might offend a person or two. This is I mean, who you, you are. You have to read your audience. Of yes. course, that's an important learning in life yeah. in general is read your For audience, sure. but also don't change yourself to be yes. something you're not. That's right. Because you want validation or, yeah. you know, love or yeah, whatever the case may whatever be. Whatever it is, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Caitlin, what would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? See, I think that it would be that you have to kind of start at the start. You start at the start, you build the foundation, you put in the work before you can move up to that next step. Like if you think about a pyramid, you want to build that foundation. You want that strong foundation before you kind of go to the next piece Uh of it. Yeah. And I remember when I got this advice, I was an intern in undergrad working for a local chamber of commerce. And I was so frustrated that they weren't giving me more hard work, (laughs) that they weren't like wanting me to, you know, do the more, you know, outward facing things and the things that were going to give me, you know, more accolades and and that sort of thing. I was so frustrated. And I remember going to like the VP of communications going, am I not doing a good job? Like, why, why do you not, why will you not let me do this? Or why will you not give me that project? And she was like, Caitlin, you're still learning. Yeah. Like you have to learn at this level before you can take all of that that you've learned and progress to the next one where you're going to learn some more and then you're going to progress to the next and you're going to learn some more. And at each of those layers, you're going to take what you learned previously. You can't just skip it because then you will like all those learnings add up to success. For sure. And I mean, I've skipped ahead of a lot of things. Like I have zero patience at zero. And I come back to that very often because it's also, it's building your own learnings. It's building your own experience. It's building your credibility. Uh 
and then you can do more and be better and serve people and serve yourself by like saying, like not skipping all the steps. Yeah. Cause then you have to go back to them anyways. And you're like, ah, I should have just done this from the beginning. Exactly. Caitlin, what do you think the most common reason for people failing or giving up is? Oh my gosh. I don't fail. No, I do. I fail. (laughs) I try not to fail. Like it's just for me, it, it feels like it's not an option. And I think that it's that lack of trust in yourself and your value and what you have to offer or do that you give up because you just don't think you're worth it. You don't think that anybody wants you. Yeah. And I could have done that last year when no one turned, when no one switched over to my virtual sessions. I was like, oh my gosh, I missed out. I missed out on the curve. Everybody else has these successful virtual sessions. And and I so easily could have been like, well, you know what? Never mind. Maybe I'm just not meant to teach Pilates. But instead, I was like, no, fuck that. <laughs> I, I have a purpose here. Yeah. And if those people don't want to work with me, I'm sure I will find other people who do. And I just have to keep going and pivot and change. And I think it's just, you get in your head and you almost talk yourself out of things. I think that's how people fail or give up is because they talk themselves out of it. Self-limiting belief. Absolutely. Yeah. What's your personal motto? I have two. Okay. One of them is keep smiling. (laughs) And even, which is funny because I have so many posts on my Instagram of me crying, especially <laughs> last year, <laughs> but I think it, it kind of goes along with that, like the, like Dory motto, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> it's like, that's how I feel sometimes. Keep yeah. smiling, keep swimming. You can't stop. And then we kind of talked about this before and it's something I really live my life by and it's learn something new every day. It doesn't have to be from a book. It doesn't have to be, you know, it's just, you can learn it about yourself. Yeah, exactly. Self-discovery. Absolutely. What is one of your biggest failures or or we'll call it life lessons or teachable moments? And what did you learn from it? Again, I don't fail. No. (laughs) Oh gosh. I, what is one of your biggest failures? I think for me, it was putting my career over my family. And what happened with that is that it really degraded my relationships with my children, my young children, to the point where like my two-year-old would come up and like close my computer and be like, mommy, love me. (laughs) Nice heart. And I didn't really learn this lesson until last year. When I was home with them and really saw them, I got to spend time with them, not in the hustle of the morning to get them off to school and not in the chaos of the evening as I was making dinner because I picked them up from daycare 20 seconds before daycare closed because that was our life before. And last year, all of a sudden we were together and I was teaching them and really understanding, you know, where they needed love, where they were struggling, what their personalities were like, all of those things. And so that's why like looking back, I go, God, I wish I had done that better. I wish I had known that sooner. And so, you know, now we are, we're working on repairing that mother son's relationship because I feel like I truly see them versus before just they existed as a part of something that, oh, you're supposed to have kids. I had kids. 
but I was still so absorbed by my career and then my business and then this and that and serving others that I forgot how needed I was as a mom to my kids. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section. Okay. Oof. So one, two, three word answer type thing for the next okay. grouping of questions. All right. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> what was your dream job as a child? Lawyer, actress, model. Wow. That's quite the gamut. <laughs> L. Woods. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite stress reducing activity? Drinking wine. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? Crazy. <laughs> that word again. <laughs> if you could teach the world one thing, what would that be? Mm, trust yourself. Money or fame? Oh my gosh. Mm, money. Aside from the necessities, what's one thing you could just not go without? Mm, wine? <laughs> <laughs> what's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Hmm. I want my children to be proud of me. Okay. Early bird or night owl? Neither. Oh, okay. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Hmm. I would say the healthcare system. Entrepreneur life is? Really, really hard. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> <laughs> The last book or podcast I read or listened to was? I've been listening to Get Wealthy podcast. All right. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Okay. (laughs) What would you say are the three top skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? I would say grace. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. I'm still learning. Remember I said I would never describe myself as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Passion and I would say like time management. Yeah. If you could sit down and have a one hour conversation with anyone in the world alive or dead, who would it be and why? Oh my gosh. That's a good question. I've never really thought of this before. It's a good question. You know, it's funny. There's no one I really like admire that I'm like, ooh, (laughs) but there's people I love. Like, Mm -hmm. I really love Jennifer Aniston. So I'm going to say Jennifer Aniston because I feel like she could make me laugh. What entrepreneurial tricks have you discovered to keep you focused and productive in your day-to-day busy schedule? I am learning this. I struggle with it very, very much. I have gotten better at prioritizing. So I put everything on a list Uh and then I pick three things that must get done today. Okay. I love it. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, where would you put it? And what would it say? I would put it, I don't, I mean, I can only have one. Can I only have one billboard? Yeah. Because I would like to put it outside of every maternity ward. Okay, sure. And have it say, you don't have to get your body back. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? Hmm. You really covered all the questions. Maybe just why I wanted to be a part of this podcast. Okay. Why did you want to be part of the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, my, my friend Victoria, who was a past guest on the podcast, connected us. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, 
I don't know. Uh And then when we talked, your purpose and your vision for empowering women Uh and, and spotlighting empowered women who empower women Uh and being a male who does that was, that was inspiring to me. I wanted to be a part of it. I was like, I have to be a part of this because I believe in that vision and I wanted to be like a partner with you in like bringing that to the world. Well, I'm flattered. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's, it's been wonderful having you and I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? I would say my children for kind of the reasons I stated above. Uh-huh. Um, they changed my body. They changed my heart. They changed my focus. They changed the things. And again, this is more recently, the things that I value and the places I want to go and the things I want to do and the decisions that I make. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big impact for two little humans to have. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Caitlin, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Slow down take in the moments and enjoy life a little bit more. You don't have to be the best tomorrow. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? It would go like, honor your body, honor your thoughts. You're valuable. Trust your intuition and don't give a fuck what other people think. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> You are incredible. You're so inspiring, Caitlin. And I <laughs> so you. appreciate you taking the time out to be here today and take me on your journey with you and share in that journey and have me as a part of it. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. We've had a lot of good laughs and yes. it's been very informative. I've learned a lot too. So thank you for all of that. And I am so grateful and thankful and appreciative of for you and of you and for you taking the time to be here and now become part of the Empowerography community. It's an honor to have you as a member of the community and I appreciate you. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor to be a part of it. Thank you for having me. Your wonderful questions. I think I've learned a little bit about myself too in the process. Beautiful. Um, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need a transcript so I can go back and be like, oh, that's what I said. But thank you so much. It's been an honor. I hope that, you know, those who listen are inspired as well. I'm sure they will be. And honestly, the honor and the pleasure is truly all mine because without all of you amazing women who agree to be part of the podcast and the community and take part in this, this doesn't even exist. So honestly, thank you so very much. Yes, my pleasure. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Caitlin Hatzenbuehler. She is the owner and founder of Conscious Care Pilates. Thank you so much, Caitlin. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.